Welcome to Compliance Beat, the podcast for compliance and ethics professionals. We provide practical insights and answer your questions about compliance and ethics. Together, we'll stay up to date on current trends so that your program stays effective. Brought to you by Moorhead Compliance Consulting. Here's your host, Eric Moorhead. Do we need a compliance committee? For the purposes of the discussion today, I'm going to be talking about a compliance committee made up of staff of the organization and not a compliance committee at the board of directors level. We may speak about that at a different time. But more and more frequently, you are hearing about organizations either implementing or considering the implementation of a compliance committee. It isn't mentioned in the sentencing guidelines standards for an effective compliance and ethics program. It's something that's developed organically as a best practice. And in some organizations, you find committees that have several roles. So you might have a committee that has a compliance function, but also a risk function. But if your organization doesn't have a committee or has a dormant committee, and you're wondering whether you should either implement or re-implement the committee, I think there are some important things to consider. First of all, when you use the term committee, what immediately comes to mind are meetings. And when you talk about meetings, and we've all been in those meetings, sitting at that table, having broken away from the 15 other things that we can't stop thinking about that we know we need to address on our daily work agenda. And we really mean to give total attention to the topic of the meeting that we've gone to. But if it's not a project that's on that list that's in your head of things that you need to get done, that's a topic on the agenda for that committee meeting, then it's likely to get lost. Everyone around that table needs to be invested in some piece of the puzzle for that committee. Setting up and implementing a new committee requires a lot of hard work and a lot of thought. At the heart here, you need to have a clear purpose and it needs to be a practical purpose. You need less meetings and more projects, I think, is really what it boils down to. An important aspect of this is having a very strong charter from the beginning and ensuring that that charter stakes out a practical role for the committee. That's the hard work, is setting the groundwork and putting together the plan first. There are many projects that can come out well with a minimal plan, but there are some things that don't come out with a minimal plan. For example, I'm a minimal plan carpenter. If you ever visit our house, you'll just have to ignore the picnic table that is a little bit off kilter. The compliance committees that I have seen work and work effectively were not minimal plans. They had really, really strong charters that described exactly what the function of the committee was going to be, how frequently the committee was going to meet, who was going to be part of the committee. I mean, these were documents that really set forward some practical things that would be accomplished by the committee so that Once those knowledgeable professionals were brought together, they wouldn't just be staring at each other from across a conference table or listening to silence across the conference line. That's the extreme case, obviously. But if you plan early, your charter or other founding document will address very specific things that your organization can do. And I'll just give you a few examples of of specifics that you could put into a charter as far as role for a compliance committee. One that I've seen fairly frequently is a review of recent issues and reports. Particularly if you have membership on this committee, 
that comes from different parts, uh, operational parts of the organization, it can be beneficial to talk through recent issues and reports because you may get different perspectives. And that's something that's pretty common. And so you can set that aside. That's a line item that's always going to be part of the agenda that's going to generate interest. And you're going to, generally speaking, get some really positive feedback that's going to be helpful in resolving issues, but also uh, looking at controls in relation to reports and incidents that have happened. Another very specific role is to lay out a involvement in specific projects and initiatives. One organization that recently determined that they wanted to put together a compliance committee did so specifically to update and revise their various compliance policies. Having that initiative went hand in hand with setting up committee. I think this was particularly helpful in that organization because they are pretty small and rely on a lot of cross-functional help to make sure that they have coverage for all their compliance initiatives. So I think that's something that can be replicated by other smaller and medium-sized organizations where perhaps the actual full-time staff for compliance is one or less than one. Having a compliance committee that can take on some of the project responsibilities and initiatives can be really helpful. That also provides a clear mission for a brand new organization or committee and establishes those working practices and those relationships within the committee for future projects or initiatives. So I think having a clear set of goals, practical goals beyond let's talk about compliance, which in and of itself isn't necessarily a bad idea, but you just have to have something more on the agenda than that. So have some recurring specific responsibilities and activities that are going to be on the agenda that are going to require the participants to do more than just sit and listen. You need something that's going to get them involved, get their hands dirty, have the participants in your compliance committee involved in the process and have a speaking role, if you will, in what the committee does. One last item when considering whether you want to have a compliance committee or not, or whether you need a compliance committee, is who will be on the committee. One of the primary questions here is, is this going to be an executive level committee versus an operational management committee? Next to the question, should we have a committee? This is probably the most common question that I've heard. I think the answer to that is it could be one or both. I think you can have a committee that has both the usual suspects, if you will, the chief compliance officer, general counsel, or a representative from the general counsel's office, audit, HR, security, other key components of the organization that you naturally think of when you think of compliance and ethics. And maybe some of those representatives would be executives, and maybe there will be a mix of higher level executives and more mid-level it doesn't necessarily need to be one or the other. And it's certainly true that I've seen organizations that have both, that have an executive compliance committee whose primary responsibility is to discuss and set policy. And you have with that hand in hand an operational management committee that is involved more in taking those priorities and affecting projects and initiatives and marshalling resources around them. So you can have a mixture, you can have one or the other. I don't think there's any right answer. A lot of it depends on what your expectations are going to be for the committee itself. The one thing that I would say, whether you have an executive level committee, operational management level committee, or a committee that is a mixture of both, that you make sure to include individuals that are not in that group of usual suspects as well. 
you should include people from the operational parts of your organization, business and marketing, product development, business development, facilities management. If you're in, in manufacturing, then you should have some representatives from the management, the operational management of your manufacturing facilities. And you need to include international representation if you're an organization that has a footprint that goes around the world. So while it's always important to include those individuals that are responsible for the operational compliance of the organization on a day-to-day -day basis, whether that be you or someone else, it's important to include a diversity of opinions and perspectives throughout the organization that you may not necessarily think of initially when you think of compliance and ethics. And that's the reason why, because they're going to bring something unique and sometimes very, very helpful to the table. If you have a question you want answered on the podcast, be sure to submit it on compliancebeat.com. Now here's the upshot. The upshot this time is, if you're going to have a compliance committee, make sure it has a distinct, specific purpose in mind. Give the committee a job. Make sure you determine beforehand who will do that job and who will be on the committee, and you'll be much happier for it. Today, we have three questions with Adam Turtletop. Adam is a fixture in the compliance and ethics space as the Vice President for Strategic Initiatives and International Programs for the Healthcare Compliance Association and the Society of Corporate Compliance and Ethics. Before joining SCCE, Adam was the Corporate Relations Executive for LRN, a leading compliance training organization where he was responsible for the company's conferences and events. He's a regular speaker on compliance topics at both national and international events. In a prior life, he spent many years as an executive in advertising and marketing, working on campaigns for well-known national and international brands. And he served for two years on the Washington staff of Senator Daniel Patrick Moynihan. A prolific and ingenious writer on compliance and ethics topics, we are happy to have him here. Live from Brazil, welcome, Adam. Thanks, Eric. First question, can you talk about your career journey? How did you end up as the VP of HCCA and SCCE? As you noted, my early career was totally unrelated to the world of compliance and ethics, but when I was at LRN, I spent seven and a half years there. In the last two or three years, my efforts were really focused on raising the organization's profile at industry events. So I did a lot of exhibiting and a lot of speaking, and I found that SECE was a really good fit for me in terms of what its approach to serving the compliance and ethics community was. A lot of my career at LRN was focused also on better serving the community and telling their stories. And so when I learned of an opportunity to join SCCE, I leapt at it right away. And if you could go back in time and tell your younger self one thing before you became the vice president at SCCE, what would that one piece of information be? I think the one thing would probably be buy a good set of travel adapters. Um, <laughs> compliance has just been growing so much internationally. It was one thing I didn't foresee. You know, I knew it was growing when I joined uh, our first academy outside the U.S. was scheduled for Switzerland. But compliance outside the U.S. was still relatively small, you know, and now we have five academies outside the U.S. each year, two in Europe, the one that I'm in Brazil for now, in Dubai and in Singapore. And in addition, we have a European conference. And really, that's a reflection of compliance spreading out, both in terms of the number of companies where businesses feel either for legal reasons 
or for business opportunity reasons, they really need to have a compliance program. And then also seeing it move further down the supply chain as smaller companies realize that they need to have an effective compliance and ethics program if they're going to be selling to these large global companies, which really have started expecting it out of their uh, vendors. That's good to hear. And as you mentioned, you're you're down there right now for not just one, but two events, right? Right. We've got our academy, which is running Monday till Thursday. And then Friday, we have a regional meeting, a conference for one day here. At this point, and this is one I never would have seen, uh, our, the U.S. is obviously where most of our members are. But our second largest country in terms of members is Brazil. That's pretty amazing. If you could uh, peer into your crystal ball, what one or two trends in compliance and ethics do you think will be important over the next few years? Well, in addition to what I mentioned earlier about the growing internationalization of compliance programs and it's spreading down the supply chain, I think data protection and privacy is going to be a very big issue. I mean, we've seen in the healthcare area issues of ransomware appearing. Hacking has gotten to be, as we all know, a huge problem. And at the same time, people are much more sensitive to issues of data privacy. And there's much more rules and regulations in that area and complexity, especially you know, with the end of the safe harbor provision. The other issue I think that could be a large one we, we have yet to see is going to be the issue of modern slavery and human trafficking. The UK Modern Slavery Act is now requiring companies doing business in the UK to disclose what they're doing to look for signs of human trafficking and modern slavery in their supply chain. Likewise, the US government has started requiring its contractors to make disclosures. And I think we're going to find that more governments are requiring it. And also the public is, as more stories come out, such as those of uh, the fishing industry and the shrimp, uh, the pre-peeled shrimp industry using slaves for food. Nobody wants to buy food or put on clothing or anything when they know that slave labor was involved in making it. Adam, I can't thank you enough for answering our three questions this time, and uh, we'll speak to you soon. You're welcome. (laughs) Thanks a lot for having me. Thanks for listening to Compliance Beat. Check out our website, compliancebeat.com. This podcast is brought to you by Moorhead Compliance Consulting. Be sure to check us out at moorheadconsulting.com.